HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Samuel Adams, Brewing the American Dream. Hear stories from their inspiring entrepreneurs on Let's Talk About Food, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our guest today is no stranger to competition and no stranger to media notoriety. She's one of the rare few that has managed to strike twice first as an Olympian and more recently as an acclaimed chef, working through some of the best restaurants in Houston, past the competition on Top Chef Season 18, and now into the innovation community of Houston's ION with her own concept. We're excited to welcome to the show today Chef Don Burrell and excited to learn more about late August. Um, so let's hop right in because I, you know, Alex and I do some background research and there's very little on late August so far. So tell us all the things, give us all the spoiler alerts. First, I want to start by saying thank you guys for having me. Um, I have, I'm pretty much an avid listener, so I love Oh, my God, I love that. Yeah, yeah, so thanks again. Um, so late August. Um, you know, this has been, I mean, as you, you've, you've heard it all, right? You know, the trials of opening a restaurant. Um, it's been a long time coming. We're about a year uh, behind our schedule. So, you know, we're kind of holding things back to make sure that, you know, when we release, um, we kind of get that wave of the release of, uh, you know, the information about the, the concept itself, you know, instead of people having to wait even longer. But um, I think we'll have it this time. So late August um, plays homage to the Sears catalog um, because we are housed in um, the former um, historic Sears building in Houston. And, um, and yeah, so it kind of, you know, it kind of, uh, it's a play on, you know, the wishing and wanting of an anticipation of what's to come, you know, as far as, um, you know, the catalog, uh, those, those feelings that the catalog would bring you. That's funny. Cause you, it's, it's also such a great time for, for like summer produce. So it's like a <laughs> highlight, I feel like of, sh- of the chef, uh, season. No? For sure. Well, well, you know, in this region, like you're you're hard pressed to get anything fresh because you know it's so hot down here. <laughs> you know, unlike right. in New York, where like the U- Union Square Market is uh, super plentiful and robust, like 
um, you know, those summer months are really the bad months here in Houston. Uh, tell us a little bit about the concept of, uh, if you can, of, of late August and the food style and all that good stuff. Yes. So the food style will be global comfort with, um, you know, very uh, specific expressions of uh, the um, African diaspora um, and also um, with some Asian techniques because uh, that is my background. Right. From Uchi, from your days at Uchi. Yeah. And- from days of my Uchi, like more specific, um, you know, the modern Japanese, a lot of Vietnamese influence there. Um, um, I, I have a, a good amount of um, Mandarin uh, Chinese uh, training. Um, so, yeah, all of those things are, are part of me and my culinary style. This is really your culinary journey from from African diaspora to the places where you've worked over the past 10 years. I love that. Tell yes. us a little bit about, we always like to dive into like the delays and what's happening. So tell us what you can, so you mentioned you're a year behind. Tell us what's been going on. Right. Um, so, um, yes. So we're, we're housed in, you know, um, a, a tech building um, and, you know, they have their, their general contractors there. So we were kind of waiting for, you know, our build out terms and things like that. First, well, let me back up and say like we were waiting to get through the city um, and that took about eight or nine months. And um, once our plans were finally approved, um, then we had to have meetings with the general contractors attached to the the IM building itself, and then um, and then um, we had to find a new uh, project manager slash architect um, and see um, what the what the discrepancies between the plans that were approved and the plans that were uh, submitted and the plans that were actually uh, held by us and try to figure out where, you know, where there were differences and map all of that out and see if we need to go back to the city for reapproval. So it's just a, it's just been um, um, a lengthy and learned process. I can only imagine. Um, I know it's probably been so frustrating as well. What has anything changed for you all since you since the build out process has been longer than you thought? Like, has design changed? Any design? Yes. Um, so we we after um, we parted ways with the architect, um, we um, and we re- revisited the plans and made sure that you know all of the electrical was right. Um, we decided to then hire. Um, um, a restaurant designer who um, who improved our floor p- plan, um, which doesn't really require us to go back to the city for because it's just, you know, it's just a plan. Uh, it, we're not moving anything specific um, or, or anything detailed. Um, we're just moving the furniture around. And, um, and um, they were able to get us quite a few more seats, which is, you know, helpful, you know, uh, um, and... Um, and you know, improve the design, the overall feel of the of the restaurant itself. So th- these were good good changes. How big is the space, and how many seats? And um, we have now we have a total of one fourteen, both in mm-hmm. and out, um, and with a private dining room. Um, and I think the square footage is um, maybe about uh, fifteen to sixteen hundred. Okay. And the, and the ION building is already, is parts of it open? Are the offices already filled and operating or is the whole thing slowed down? Um, so the ION itself is up and running and um, they're about at 40% capacity right now. Um, 
And, um, you know, but that's much needed uh, business that we were kind of counting on, um, sure. you know, because, you know, the, the, you know, the term of the lease is that, you know, our, we're open for lunch. And the assumption is that our lunch, uh, our lunch audience will be built in. Right. Um, well, if you're only at 40% capacity, that's less likely to be so. Are there other food concepts in there as well? Yes, there's one more. There's um, a restaurant, um, a coffee shop um, that kind of doubles as a cafe, but they close at three o'clock, and um, a brewery that's uh, that that is immediately next door. Right. So in some senses, you're probably not necessarily in a rush to open if the other office stuff isn't open as well and the customers aren't there yet. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly that. Um, but um, we are. There's some requirements. Um, that we have to meet um, based on our lease negotiations. Um, so we're, we, we are really pushing to try to be open for uh, September 1st. September 1st, it's soon. It's coming, it's coming faster coming than we all know it. Coming Can so soon. Can you make soon. it late August? I know. Like, um, I know. You got to make it late August. <laughs> the namesake sort of <laughs> screens that are opening for uh, August 27th or something. Right? Most certainly. Like we, I think that we are, we are, we're hoping to do some soft openings in late August, but we will have to see. It all depends on, you know, when our equipment comes in and, you mm -hmm. know, you know, all of these things take a lot of time. And, um, you know, some of the lead times are for um, like back bars, or for example, are like 22 weeks. You know, so like we just need to make sure that we're ordering well. Like we're at the point where we're like, we'll just order some temporary equipment, you know, and then like and when, you know, we'll open with this equipment and then later on we'll replace it. You know, so it's just um, it's just we're really tr trying to get it open by any means. What ha So what happened with the equipment? Is it like kitchen equipment or is it more like small wares? Is it everything is just um, been supply chain challenged up the wazoo? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 every, it's mostly everything. Um, small wares are not as challenging as like ranges, for example. Like, you know, some ranges also have six month lead times, you know, so we had that we have to make sure that we're be, being um, very selective with, with what we're, what we purchase so that we can get them on time. We, you know, we can't wait for these things to open. And like, if it's, a, if it's like, for example, tables for the front of the house, like we will figure out a way to open with temporary tables and, and tra trade them out. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, being, being smart and, and, um, and nimble, you know, and kind of making sure that um, we can do everything that's within our power um, to make sure that we meet that deadline the world we're living in tell us yes. a little bit of so tell us so you said it's a 40 percent occupied this the um the building what is, is are they having challenges because of is it it's office space I assume and is it because of like people working from home has that been impacting how they fill the building and you guys as well possibly um I really don't know uh, that much about the inner workings of their um their leasing uh, program or challenges I can say that um there there may have been a bit of delay um with with them getting the word out and they but they give lots of tours and people are very interested may I say that also it is an incredible building so I don't think that they'll have um a problem filling it I just think that it has it has taken a, taken a bit longer than they anticipated, mm -hmm. um, but we we house major companies like uh, Microsoft. Um, they have an outpost there, and um, 
And um, there are lots of different um, tech hubs and small businesses that work from there. We also have um, the sister company of a WeWork space. Um, um, what is that called? Um, I can't remember the name of it. It will come to me in the middle of our conversations. <laughs> but um, but um, it, it, it is, um, it is uh, operates under um, WeWork. And um, it's, it's amazing. It's, a, it's amazing. And so lots of little, um, small startups that are, you know, that are um, house on the floor as well. Amazing. So build it and they will come kind of. Vibe. Exactly. And yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be awesome. So where, so it sounds like you guys are, pre- you're pretty close. You're just waiting for equipment to come in and design is done. Have you been able to get in there and like test recipes and do the menu or is that sort of happening well, at I, home? Well, I've written the menu. I was, I wrote the menu um, about a year ago, and I utilize um, some of my events to test certain things. I want I want them to be, I want the I want to test them on real audiences. So, like if I have um, like a JBF um, tasting event or something, I I do a small version. I'll make a small version of um, of a, a dish that I plan on serving. You know. How many times have you changed that menu in the last year? I mean, it it's an <laughs> ongoing. It is an ongoing project. I'm telling you, like I, I mean, you know, it's it's about editing, right? So you know, right. you you you. I I love to write a menu, leave it alone for for a, a few weeks, and go back revisit it. I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, it's like right. you know, so it's like <laughs> that whole process is also is is very pleasing to me, and um and I also um. I test here in my home and I test, we have a commissary kitchen. So I also like go, go by and, and, and play with a few ingredients here and there. So it's, um, it's been a very fun process, but I'm not, I'm not finished at all. Mm. Not until the opening day. Yeah. Well, in the next phase, I really want to include, um, you know, my, my number two, um, or number one, how, what do you say that? The, my right-hand person, <laughs> my, chef, my chef de cuisine. Um, I want to include um, them in the process um, because ultimately, you know, it needs to be theirs um, when I'm gone, you know? And so in order to do that, you know, and for, for them to feel comfortable about it, they, they, they're, you know, whatever the menu is and executing it as if it's their own, you know, they, um, I'd like them to be a part of all the recipe writing, all of that. Um, so to know that fully that they understand it and that we did it together. Teamwork. Tell us a little bit about team and hiring and are you there yet? Um, um, so my hiring process, um, is, I don't know if it's different or not. It's just something that I, it's a way that I like to do things. I really enjoy, um, um, like like friend, chef friend referrals and also kind of getting to know someone casually, like kind of a, courting, a courtship, so to speak, before um, even inviting them to, you know, to participate, you know, in the project. And that just means that, and these are only, these are for key positions, right? For GM, AGM, chef de cuisine, um, and sous chef. Right. Um, and so I, I, w- I want to get to know them. So I invite them to come cook with me um, after we kind of hang out for a little bit and go come cook with me at, a, at, a, at an event. And and um, I give them leadership on, you know, certain projects and see, uh, you know, within that event. And, you know, and so that's just my way of trying to, you know, 
understand in real time and in real life um, a person's strengths and weaknesses, and they're also pressurized situations. So, you know, you get to kind of see what they what they're like under pressure. You know, um, so all of these things are very important to me because um, ultimately, like your staff is your family, and you have to know you have to know whether you're going to be able to get along with this person and whether your um, your work styles kind of uh, mesh together. I mean, you spend more time with your team members than you do with your family, unless you're like Alex and I are married to each other, then it's just like all of your time is together. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Working home, together, together. Yeah. Together, together. <laughs> if we didn't work together, I would probably spend more time with my work, with my work teammates than with him. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is an interesting approach. So it's like basically like a prolonged stage and, um, and real life, real life, yeah. uh, and real life situations. Exactly it. Um, and, you know, I have a sous chef in mind that I've known for years and I've watched her work and I know where she works. And um, and I am I am really I love her attention to, de- to detail and, you know, and how she responds um, in adversity. And I've learned this over years with her, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, now I mind you, I won't have that luxury for, with everyone, but mm-hmm. it's just nice to to be able to do that and know that, you know, that someone will fit well. And um, and then from there, like you kind of as a collective, you uh, kind of um, you hire, um, you know, your team, you know, the, your line cooks, your prep cooks and things like that. And um, and, you know, and there there are more people that will help you vet. Um, which I think is great, you know, and, um, you know, I won't have the luxury of, um, of courting those, um, the line cooks, for example, for that lengthy period of time, but at least I'll have those um, that I've had courted for a long time help me. I like that. I like that you're saying courting because um, <laughs> it is, it's like, you know, we're out, we're growing our business right now and we're hiring and it's, it is, it's like, I feel like we're speed dating, right? Alex was had like 17 speed dating interviews for production managers last week, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so I'm stressful. Glad I don't have to speed date because this is tough, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, how, how successful have y'all been? Do you feel comfortable? Is it good? Like, Yeah, it it's good to, you know, it's always fun to to meet new people and you know it's really it's tricky i wouldn't say you know hiring is a challenge because you're looking at all these different factors right of you know obviously someone's resume and their their you know strengths on paper but it's also a lot about chemistry and you know what kind of culture you're trying to create and those are hard things to sort of figure out in a half an hour right so in some ways you're you're fortunate to have this amount of time yes indeed um and so i am thankful for that you know, but um, I have not opened, we're, we're about to open our hiring up to, you know, to the public. And and that's when it will get a little bit crazy, kind of like, you know, like what you're doing right now. So essentially we like speed dating <laughs> right. for, for a number of weeks. Tell us a little bit about your, your bigger team, not your bigger team, but your other team within Lucille Hospitality Group and how that came to be and, you know, how you guys support each other and such as you wait for uh, late August to get open. Right. Um, so we have, um, under the, the Lucille's Hospitality Group umbrella, we have a, a nonprofit, Lucille's 1913, um, whose mission uh, is to uh, combat uh, food insecurity um, head on. And, um, and we have a chef team that mans that, that, um, that endeavor. Uh, under um, underneath the the nonprofit umbrella, it is a we have a fermentation lab um, 
that um, that I uh, helped to build and um, and um, and then we have a catering a, a catering team as well. Um, we have Lucille's uh, the restaurant and um, yeah and so yeah um, we have um, and oh Chris is right now he's opening a restaurant in uh, Halifax um, called oh. Emils. So um, we are we're a busy, a busy group. Um, but we do support each other. Um, the chefs, I lean on the chefs for the nonprofit, um, you know, you know, hard because I don't have a staff right now. And so it, any endeavor that I, that I have, you know, they, they also have, and they're aware of it. And, um, you know, so we just work together to make sure it happens. Um, we communicate well with each other and likewise, they, they also have my support if they need it. Um, but underneath them, they have about eight or 10, um, um, prep cooks. So, you know, they're, they're, they have a pretty healthy staff. And how did you, so, how did, how did you find the, how did you and Lucille's group decide to partner up? Cause this is your, is this your first time working together or you had already worked with them in Houston before? Um, yes. So I met, um, this is my first time working with, um, Chris Williams. Um, uh, and when I met him, um, he was building this, um, mm-hmm. this hospitality group. Um, at the, then, um, uh, then he had Lucille's. And so that was his baby. He calls it the mothership. And, <laughs> um, and, um, we did an event together. Um, a friend of mine um, named Dominic Lee. He um, he had an idea of doing a dinner series um, to for this very same reason to come combat food insecurity in this specific neighborhood, um, and um, to kind of inject some funds into a food desert. And um, and so he gathered some of his chef friends. I was one of them. Chris Williams and Johnny Rhodes. We all got together and um, did this food. Um, apartheid dinner series we called it fads and um it was a month-long dinner series and each of us hosted a dinner in our own uh, in our own style at our restaurants and um and that was the first time I met Chris Williams and um he 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 seemed great you know he worked fast and he was also kind of distant maybe a little standoffish I don't know but um he um but he what I did not know was that he thought that I was crazy because of my cooking style and, you know, making everything from scratch and doing multiple breads. I did, I think I made like three different types of bread or four different types of bread on the first dinner. And he was like, what is wrong with this girl? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then he was like, I'm staying far away from that. You know, and I was like, <laughs> he's just playing hard to get maybe. Maybe he's playing hard to get. He's like, yeah, we're going to work yeah. together. I don't know. I don't know. And then later, like he was like, um, he told me about, you know, and then our friendship formed and he was like, and then he told me about, um, his project and, and, uh, late August, he was like, isn't that a great name? I was like, uh, I don't know. And he, he explained, he explained it to me. I was like, he was like, that is dope. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. That, that is pretty good. And then, um, long story short, my mother had a stroke and then I was invited to be uh, on top chef and, um, I realized that I might not be able to go because I needed to take care of my mother. Um, and it was up and he said, well, if that's your only challenge, I could help you with that, you know? Um, and I was like, are you sure? You know, we went back and forth. I was like, I'm not asking you for help. I'm just venting. He's like, no. I was like, if that is your only challenge, 
of going of of, of that if that's the difference between you going and competing on this show and not going I I, I can do that and so he funded 100% um, my mom's care while I was gone I have goosebumps that's an amazing partner and friend yeah uh, yeah the, 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 he has the largest heart of anyone that I know honestly and um and um and that is the reason why that um when he asked me to partner with him on this restaurant, I was like, you know, at first I was like, oh, you know, it's too soon. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what, you know, what the world is going to bring me after Top Chef. But then I was like, and then he convinced me by saying that we are really going to um, kind of, we're promoting change. Like, and he wants to be the change in this world. And he wants to change the world by combating food hunger you know, I mean, hunger, you know, in, in, in these insecure neighborhoods and, and, you know, and injecting insecurity where there is none. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do that. You know, I would love to do that, you know, because I'm aware, you know, that there's, there's poverty in this world. And, you know, how can I serve all of the, all of these people that can afford these very nicely plated meals, but knowing that there are people who don't have food, you know, just down the street. You know, it's like, so if we can manage to do both things, like that is like my perfect, the perfect recipe of a job for me. So tell us, tell us how, I mean, that's obviously, there's no better way to have a business that's also mission driven and to find a business partner who's aligned on being mission driven as well as being, you know, business minded and, and making sure both go hand in hand. So tell us a little bit about how late August will also be able to support the work that's um, being done with like 1913 and Lucille's? Um, good question. And so we're moving every, every uh, concept that we build um, will, will have a philanthropic effort built into it. So um, every, every entity will donate 10% of their profits to 1913. And, um, and so that, so each, each um each outpost will will be uh, will have their that mission like attached to them, and we will do different things within our own systems. But um, but just to know that like money that that is earned through each concept will go back is is very helpful, and it will help continue to fund the efforts for 1913. And how do you explain that to like the customer? And and do you guys end up having to charge a little bit more, and then? explain it back to the customer and is everybody typically like supportive? Um, I, I am, we are moving toward that. Um, so I imagine we will have to come up with a system, um, so that everyone fully understands uh, what we're about. Um, you know, and the fact that we are fully integrated will, will also be, um, a, a point of education for our, for our clientele base. But I think that people people are very supportive of Lucille's and Lucille's 1913 because of you know because of the the great job that we're doing with communities. And I don't think that we'll receive any pushback. Um, they've been nothing but supportive um, and showing up um, at Lucille's thus far. Okay. I would hope so. Mm -hmm. When you tell a diner, "Hey, you're going to pay ten percent more because you can afford right. it," and we're combating food insecurity, you kind of have to be an a hole to say no to that, you know. So I think it is about like educating and redistributing. I mean, it's it's a great way to do it. And by the way, ten percent is extremely generous. Like most companies who do like one, per, they'll do like one percent top line revenue. So ten percent is just amazing. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, that is our goal. And I think that we will, I mean, we will, we will work at that diligently. And I know it's going to, it's, it, it's, 
at first it will be uncomfortable, but any system that you implement can be uncomfortable in, in the beginning. But um, you just have to find a way to make it work. I'm Louisa Kasdan, host of Let's Talk About Food. I recently hosted an exciting live podcast event in Boston and interviewed incredible women entrepreneurs who have received small business coaching from the Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream program. When I was applying to law school and I got in, I said, you know what, I'm still young, let me pivot and go into the food industry and really follow my passion. I was kind of scared. It was a new thing to me. It was like, hey, I don't want me in the newspaper. I just want to be in my room, in my house. (laughs) So that was when I'm like, okay, now that I'm in the local newspaper, I better not disappoint the people that, you know, that have this belief in me. And on the days that you're tired or you feel defeated, just keep going. And 10 people might tell you no, but that doesn't mean that's your end result. You just have to keep going. Hear their stories on Let's Talk About Food, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to Samuel Adams Brewing the American Dream for supporting this episode. Should we lightning round? Sure. Sounds good. Um, All right. We've been doing order fire, which is 10 minutes, 10 questions in 10 minutes. Okay. And if we were we live normally have cooking, you yeah. cooking <laughs> oh, okay. on video. So like if we have people when they're in New York, um, either visiting or locals, then we'll put you on camera and make you cook a dish in 10 minutes and then ask you 10 questions. So you're really, really pushed. I know you're, you're no uh, stranger to uh, cooking competition. So it wouldn't have, maybe it wouldn't have been an issue for you, but <laughs> that's that's like, I do this in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> We'll do it this time without any cameras, but, um, and I'm glad that you have a menu developed because some of the questions sort of do go around that, um, menu. So I'd be curious if they can hit. So first one is your favorite menu item on your hypothetical menu. Oh, um, my favorite menu item would be, um, my, uh, I I have a, a bite seared, seared scallop with a ham hock dashi and a Creole XO. Mm, that sounds really good. Sounds good. Curious, before we move on with the rest of the questions, were there any, did you do any um, any history of the Sears building? Is there any of that that's actually in the food menu? What if there's anything to pull out? Their expressions all, we, we're going to design the menu um, so it's kind of, it's going to look a little bit like a catalog. Um, oh, you know, that's at cool. least, Yeah. Yeah, and then what they're they're going to be express, expressions of like uh, Sears, like all over, but not in a in a kitschy way, but in a really cool um, kind of modern way. So I'm really excited for people to see that. Cool, Jen, you want to do the next one? Yes, the next one is most ordered menu item, but you're not open yet, so you can tell us most ordered item at one of your pop ups recently. Mm, um, people love um, the. Uh, I have a cured salmon with a with a tamarind tiger cry and uh, and a crispy crispy uh, salmon skin. It's a crudo, and they they're they're. I mean, I don't know. I I served it just last week, and I think somebody came and got ten. 
my God. Well, How many pop, are you doing pop-ups like weekly right now? Or are you doing sort of monthly or just whenever they come up? I am, I'm doing events. Um, okay. So not necessarily like, hey, come try my food. It's more like last month I did, uh, I had a Juneteenth, uh, my second annual Juneteenth celebration. And, mm-hmm. um, and I invited a guest chef to actually one local and one um rem- one remote to to come and cook with me and and then i you know toward the end of the month it was a uh, uh the jbf taste of the taste of the america and um and then this month i'll have a, a, a an event or two next month it will also be um like the family reunion Kwame watches family reunion so you're staying busy cool um on your last this is not on the list either but on your last um dish that you mentioned and I had seen it in, in one of the articles of, on the background was that you're doing a lot of things with um, skin. How do you go about that? Is Are there, um, are your butcher or your, your fish mongers able to deliver skin only or is it just like a, you're utilizing whole animal byproduct? It's a combination of both. Uh, I can ask my fishmonger for skin because, you know, they're always um, making salmon fillet skin off and so, or, or cutting them for their uh, customers. And so I'll just ask to, to buy some, or sometimes they give it to me, which is great. And, um, and the chicken skin I use, um, it's just a byproduct of us cutting chickens for the, for the nonprofit and for Lucille's restaurant. Um, that'll probably be a lead into our third actual question, which is your best food cost item. Mm. I imagine it's going to be my um, my bar uh, snack. Um, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna name it crispy things, and um, <laughs> it's gonna have uh, salmon skin, chicken skin, and probably like a, ri- a rice, a house made rice cracker or tapioca cracker or something like that, with with a couple dips. That's I mean, going to be my low-cost item. That is very aptly named. I like that. I like it when things are just called what they are. Just crispy things. Crispy things and yes. dips. <laughs> what, <laughs> I love it. I would order it. Tell me, will yeah. you be able to scale using some of the byproducts from the other restaurants? Or will, or do you think that you'll just have to order it for your own or have your own byproduct as you as you open and they're um, scaling the restaurant? We, defi- we definitely will. Um, our commissary um, kitchen where... Uh, uh, Chef Lawrence uh, runs his nonprofit program, um, meal program. He, um, we also cook for Lucille's there, and um, they break down chickens and all of that there. And um, so they will steadily stockpile um, the byproduct for me. Um, and um, and we will also, once we are, are running the fermentation lab full throttle, we we will um, gather like um, scrap and overages from each um, restaurant. Like for example, tail ends of uh, green tomatoes from Lucille's, for example, um, and make a chow chow out of those. You know, and so like our intention is to to be as close to zero waste as possible as an entity. And and um, and we'll we'll be working through that. Uh, you know, toward that in everything that we do, which is why we have right. a fermentation lab in the first place. Yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, tell us something. Well, this sort of leads into the next question. Something that you're doing to make your business sustainable, and that can be like sustainable 
work-life balance wise or sustainable like we just talked about where you're trying to make it zero waste um well of course I will always promote work-life balance you know I had a dream um that a dream of mine is to have sort some sort of um um, exercise and or fitness system, um, with my, with my restaurant family, you know, and it just means that we'll, we'll maybe do a seven minute hit workout, you know, um, for work and that, and that can contribute to the, a little bit to their work-life balance. And when they're caring for themselves, you know, I only hoped, I hope that I can incorporate that into my program. I think, I know that a lot of chefs are, are successful. Um, and I hope that, um, my hope is that, you know, I can promote, um, health and wellness um, through that that activity with my staff, and then secondly, it's just that um, it will be um, you know just what I talked about um, you know continuing to expand the fermentation lab as we as we start farming more and more um, and just making sure that we are we are diligent with uh, making uh, fermenting and pickling and uh, our overages and and things like that, and um, also composting. Uh, do you want to talk well, about Pineapple Run uh, Club now or after the call? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> both, for sure. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I like I like that you said that, Don, because I do want to hit you up afterwards. We are <laughs> working on a Pineapple Run Club, which is essentially the goal is to make some sort of a national community around hospitality running clubs. So we can delve awesome. into that later yeah. and on the side <laughs> and essentially figure out how to make it easy for you as a restaurant tour to implement that for your team members or your community or whoever but um, anybody else that's listening that wants to hit me up then please do because i'd love to learn more about how we can be of help but i'll let you up with that later and we'll talk about it after the show um part of that and these are all leading in quite nicely i feel like is (laughs) your next question is how do you plan to hire and retain great employees uh well i I mean, you, you only know so much through your initial vetting um, system. So you, the person that you you end up hiring, I end up hiring. I just hope that they know that the culture of the restaurant is that we are, you know, we have we are a family, and we yes we 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 need to make sure that we care about each other. And I also have to show them that I care about them by asking them about themselves, making sure they're good. Um, you know, um, being open to, um, to conversation with them, you know, after service, um, and all of these things just, um, kind of impart a healthy culture in a restaurant. And, um, and I am not perfect. So I have had some minor, um, setbacks or failures in, in previous, um, concepts, not because I didn't care, but because, you know, um, either I was overwhelmed or I didn't understand, like, how much a, a person needs. It's almost like you, ha- you have to be a therapist and, and, a, and a chef at the same time, you know. But you, but my goal is to get better and better at that every day and let my staff know that I really care about them. The mission is, you know, excellence, but I also need to be excellent at making sure that they're cared about as well as caring for myself. As a- Pretty perfect answer. I'll let Jen, you take the next one. Um, we like to ask this to everybody. What's your most, um, who's been your most influential role model within or outside of the hospitality industry? 
influential role model? Um, I have a couple, and I have a couple of favorites. Um, I, you know, I love Paula. Um, we, yeah. we hang out, <laughs> and I think she's, I think she's so she's great. She's easy to love. Yeah. She's easy. Very lovable. Um, she's very encouraging, and she's supportive, and um, and she's, and yeah, and she also she shares. And um, and I think that it's great. Um, I also I'm a fan and um, and a friend of uh, Kwame and Wachi because I can always pick up the phone and call him um, if I have a question about something I have nothing I know nothing about you know or if I, I need a resource he's there for me um, and um, Marcus Samuelson. These are all great people to have on your Rolodex or in your on your group chat. Should I say? Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, awesome. next one, Don. What was the worst uh, to date building or developing <laughs> moment in your opening process? Um, they're all pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, it's been a year this one, of building. Don, this one. We're <laughs> <laughs> Just realizing that um, the architect made a, a lot of mistakes, um, uh, and especially that, that that we missed. Like, and he. He had the opening budget uh, for a restaurant. I mean, for the the kitchen, um, the cost of building out the kitchen at like I don't know something ridiculous, like forty thousand dollars or something like that. <laughs> and I and I was like, and Chris and Chris when he caught it, he was like, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe that I even missed this. So I was like, how did we miss this? Um, so I think that it just happened because um, we we did not we were not we were not on top of him as much as we should have been. And it just kind of got by us. Um, and um, once, once Chris realized that he made the correction immediately, and then we had to part ways with that person. Yeah, that's no fun um, at all. No. Especially when you're like set a budget based on something and you're like, JK, that's like a gut punch. Oy. Um, exactly. Like, and so we, you know, once he was looking at the finances more closely, he realized that that wasn't even close. And, um, you know, and so we just had to make adjustments. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. What about your, what's been the best business resource or piece of advice you've received during this process? Um, you mean as a culinary professional or um, as a restaurateur? Either or, or both. Yeah, it can be a book. It can be a, you know, it can be a person. It can be a, a TV show. It can be whatever, online website, whatever. Well, I think that what what stands out to me most um, is um, that I need to always um, be my authentic self as far as, as far as my food is concerned, and um, and because authenticity is key, um, it it doesn't mean that one stick to one specific one specific style it just means that don't be afraid to to reflect yourself in your food even if it has something to do with like your your grandparents or your aunts or you know like or something that, that that's kind of authentically yours or innately yours from your family um don't be afraid to not only show it share it but also be very proud of it when you're doing that. So, uh, one thing you tell a young chef about the path to ownership, restaurant ownership. Um, I'm still learning. <laughs> 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 I'm 
Never stop learning. Never stop so, learning. Same. Right? So, so same. if you never, yeah, so if you, I, it would be that to never stop learning. And it's like, you know, so what I can't tell you, like I, I, I can show you through this process, you know, and so I'm, I'm, a, I'm authentic and truly open as far as that's concerned. Sharing, sharing the bumps in the road, um, sharing the small victories and all of that, I, I, I'm willing to teach that along the way. And as I grow um, and, and learn what my story is, I will be able to tell it um, more succinctly from start to finish. Never stop learning. I still feel Never like I'm learning, learning every day. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> Man. I mean, but definitely learn from your failures is what I have to say. Oh, yeah. And final one. What is your why? Why are you? Why did you choose to be a chef and open a restaurant? That's a, you know, I had to dig deep, um, Jenny, to figure out what I wanted to do after athletics. Um, and I, everything in me pointed to food. And um, I, rem- I had such fond uh, food memories. And, um, and um, I remember, you know, how, how I coveted, like, food experiences and flavors as a, as a child and growing up. Now, that is not, you know, uh, a chef decision <laughs> to make. Like, it's not that. It's, but, but I knew that I wanted to do something within food. With, with, with food. And, um, and so I, I exported, you know, um, because I, you know, I had to kind of redefine like who I was. Um, and yeah, and that, that, and that was really part of me. And, and, and actually and that, throughout that journey, I realized that I, I, I really do come from a food family, like a, a, a not necessarily culinary professionals, but um, educators in some way, um, b- pastry and, and baking, uh, chefs, you know, um, are, are, um, in my family. And so, um, it just took me kind of taking my, my position in this career to, to realize that we have that commonality amongst ourselves. So it's always there. You just needed to find it. Exactly. All right. Should we do any opening soon announcements? Sounds good. Do we have any? Yeah, Don. Anybody who's any friends who've recently opened, or anybody you want to shout out, and could be in oh. Houston or beyond. Oh, um, I don't know of any that are coming. Um, Evelyn Garcia is also opening um, soon in the city. In the city of Houston. In the city of Houston. Houston. Yeah. Cool. Chef Evie, I love that. Great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. She's 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 a my homie, so we're we're we we get along really well. We actually saw each other the event last week. We had a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Awesome, yeah. Well, our our friends from the Nortwick opened their doors a couple of weeks ago, and Alex and I were they were on the show earlier this season. Um, and we talked about you know opening with them, and they finally opened and. Alex and I got to go and eat and then also very exciting hags which episode aired about six months ago I listened to that yes so Telly Telly and Camille are officially they started reservations through Resi and they're officially um, I think their first day of service is like the 17th or in a couple weeks and Alex and I snagged a reservation for August 11th and I'm very excited so if you're in New York City check that out that's um, awesome. I know, yeah. I know. And you're coming to New York soon, so you'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, I, I think I'll be there August 22nd, so I hope, I hope, I only hope to snag a reservation. I don't even know what day that is, <laughs> but I would definitely come. There will be plenty yeah. of good places to eat. Um, tell us, Dawn, how we find, um, you, your restaurant and restaurant group and everything on social and, and online. For sure. You can find me on Instagram at Chef Dawn Burrell. Uh, the restaurant will be, uh, at late August HTX. Uh, Lucio's Hospitality Group is uh, the handle on Instagram for the Hospitality Group overall. And um, the nonprofit's handle is at Lucio's 1913. Cool, very exciting. And you can find us at Till at NYC and at We Are Opening Soon. Thank you so much, Dawn, for telling us about your restaurant. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's been fun. Um, so fun. And I'm excited. I can't wait to share late August with you guys after we're open. Same. We'll come to Houston. <laughs> for you. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.